idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 14, recorded on the 17th of June, 2020. For this show, I'm jumping in early with a review of Perl OS 9. Tony is reviewing Kubuntu 20.04. And then I'm flipping the KDE Ubuntu coin over and reviewing KDE Neon. I can assure you that we are more than six feet apart. We'd like to hear from you uh, what you'd like to see us take on be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Susie, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. COVID-19 infections have doubled in my home current county from 6 to 12 out of a population of 23,000. So what's been going on with you, Tony? Okay, things have changed uh, as far as the lockdown rules here in England. Uh, I'm generally doing the same things, but uh, as for the last two two to three months, uh, as where I live in uh, Blackpool, we still have an R rate of nearly two. Uh, for those who are not sure what that means, this is the number of people that are infected by one person if they get the virus, so they can pass it on to almost two people. So then that can... Uh, double, quadruple, and that very quickly. Um, so at the moment, uh, infections could really get out of control here quite quickly if we're not careful. So day-to-day life remains very much the same. Playing with Linux, going out for my daily exercise, shopping when needed, playing with my models, cooking and baking, and of course podcasting with Mintcast, HPR, and Distro Hoppers. I will also. I also joined the Biddle Euro meeting last Saturday, um, and that was great. Um, I'd missed joining my lug on the Saturday morning because uh, I had another Zoom meeting for church. So it was good to talk to a few geeks. So shall we move on to the monthly foibles? Monthly foibles wherein we discuss what we what did and didn't work for us this month. I've been playing with lots of distros, and you probably want to hear my review of the new multi-boot system called Ventoy, available on Windows and Linux, which will be part of episode 337.5 of Mintcast, available as a podcast on June 23rd. Or you can go listen to the YouTube uh, live video, uh, audio. <laughs> Ventoy allows me to put as many distros on a single USB stick as will fit, and can also let you format a stick such that you can make changes in the distro and keep them saved on the stick. You can also save other files and apps on the stick after you've installed Ventoy on it. 
The biggest problem I'm having finding distros to review this month is that most of the distros out there, which will be based on Ubuntu 20.04, are due out soon, including Mint, and we're even holding our breath for the new Slackware 15 and a new OpenSUSE and Gecko. I hope I'll have more to work with next month. What about you, Tony? Yeah, so uh, as I just said, I've been playing with Linux, uh, which, while true, this is <laughs> this is a regular hit uh, occurrence here at Distro Hopper's Towers, as all my PCs and laptops st- uh, mainly run Linux, and uh, currently that's mainly Linux Mint, and I'm on nineteen point three. Uh, but on the test laptop this month, I've been running Kubuntu, so you'll hear about that later. Other Linux stuff, I've updated the wife's PC. Uh, she leaves that to me. Uh, I hadn't done it for a couple of weeks, so uh, I went in and did the uh, updates on the Linux Mint 19.3 install. But she also has a dual boot with Windows 10, so I went into that, and I ended up d- downloading the uh, Spring Windows 10 update, which ended up taking forever. <laughs> but uh, she occasionally used to use that for work, but... Uh, since she uh, stopped marking uh, maths exam papers, she very rarely uses it, and I don't can't remember the last time she booted into it. I think at the moment the about the only thing she boots into is to check the ink levels on the printer because it's the easiest way of doing it. Um, so we recorded the last uh, Mintcast on Sunday, as Moss has said, and I edit half the show. But my audacity's been playing up when it comes to editing, so I decided to do an install of Ubuntu Studio 2004 to one of the SSDs in the IC docket that I use and use the Audacity install on that to do the show edit. And everything was great. Uh, I was able to roll... It was um, Audacity 2.3.3, and it worked fine. So that will be probably what I uh, edit today's show on, because although I can record on it, it's been a real pain to edit, so... I'll probably jump into that to edit it. Yeah, I had a problem with 2.4.1 and have managed to get rolled back to 2.2.1, which seems rather primitive, but uh, it works. Yeah. It's still Audacity. It is. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, 2.3 seems to be working great, uh, and the point three, uh, the point three point three release is um, working uh, great, and I think it's the uh, standard install on all the 2004 releases of uh, Ubuntu so that's probably what we'll get in Mint 20 I've also been playing with Mossy's new favourite utility Ventoy and I've installed it on a 64 gig USB flash drive which makes installing and testing nice so it's a lot easier um, you'll hear about that if you listen to the Mintcast but I highly recommend it as something to keep in the Linux tool bag and I've just used it to dis- uh, to install the uh, test distro for next month's distro hoppers digest onto my laptop more about that next month yeah, i've done a couple of installations on my machines too uh <laughs> ventway is just so much fun plus the fact i if it's a live distro you can just run it live off of the ventoy yeah. stick I, i've been using bionic uh bionic pop 64 a bit mm, yeah no it's brilliant so shall we uh, move down to uh, updates Updates, where we discuss what we have learned about distros we've already reviewed. 
Keep your eyes peeled across Plasma Land as a new version has just been released, 5.19. It has already landed in KDE Neon. Tony? Yeah, the main thing I wanted to note was the uh, Mint 20 Beta release. Uh, I've downloaded the Cinnamon and put that in the VM in VirtualBox and take a look at it. But I also managed to find the uh, Mate desktop environment version, and that's now on my Ventoy stick. So I'm going to give that a play with some time. But uh, I did put in the show notes that I couldn't find the Mate originally, but I ended I ended up going on to Distro uh, Watch and they had a link to it. But it's not easily to find on the Mint the Mint website for some reason. You can only see f- seem to find the uh, cinema version. The main thing about Mint Twenty is there's been a huge outcry at the decision of the team to block direct access to SnapD due to the way Ubuntu are implementing some of the application installs, in particular Chromium. As when you use sudo apt install Chromium, there is no app package, only the snap, and Ubuntu calls on the snap uh, install without informing you as a user that that's what's happening. As a result, the Mint team have blocked the install of snap, and while our good friend Leo on Mintcast has published a workaround, and I've put a link to that in the show notes here. So uh, if you if you need to have a look and uh, install snaps on uh, Mint 20, there is a link here, and I think there's a link in the Mintcast show notes as well. So shall we move on to our first distro this month, Moss? And it's over to you. Yes, let's... Pearl OS 9. I ran this on a System76 Kudu 3 with 16 gigs of RAM and a 256 gigs SSD with a 6th generation i7 CPU and an Intel graphics chipset. Post-installation hardware facts and issues, this distro is primarily organized around its hybrid desktop, combining XFCE and LXDE with lots of Compiz Fusion thrown in to emulate the Mac OS desktop of a few years ago. That being said, the default wallpaper looks like it was drawn by a four-year-old, and the exit or reboot screen looks like a grade schooler designed it. The optional wallpapers are quite lovely, with some featuring scenes around Texas you've not likely seen. Negative points for design, especially since the main reason for this distro is the design. Besides all that, Perl is Ubuntu-based with a few bonus Mint tools, and it's as easy to set up and use as any Ubuntu flavor. Ease of use. Using it is easy. Sanitizing it may take some extra time. If you're into Alex Jones, you belong here, but if not, it's fairly easy to delete the extra links in Firefox. Version 8 featured some similarly interesting plugins for Kodi, but they left Kodi out of the distro this go-round. Obviously, you can install it at any time. Upgrades can be exciting as the dev has made tr- had trouble keeping his few mirrors up. He claims to have fixed it, but I know of at least one site which has offered to be a mirror to which he has not responded. There is a nice upgrade button in the dock which shows you what is ready to update, but when you give it the go-ahead, it closes and does nothing. Best to break out the terminal to do these. In keeping with the theme of I Like Mac, they have included the Software Center for the most famously Mac-like distro, Elementary OS, so you can pay for all that good open-source software you wish to use if you like. Highly recommended if you can afford it, as devs are largely underpaid in our community. Application Issues I've had no issues with anything. I even did my Mintcast podcast for episode 336 using Perl, when my Audacity wouldn't work in Mint for some reason. 
Memory use for all the tweaking and hybridizing of the desktop, I've had Stacer report as low as 530 megabytes of RAM usage, and the entire installation uses about 1 gig less disk space than my Mint or Neon installations. That's something compared to Neon, since Neon doesn't package any applications with it, so it just has what I put in. Ease of finding help, Debbie Downer time. While most of this distro is Ubuntu Core and some mintiness is involved, the forum itself is often down and has very few users. If you can't get help from other Ubuntu and Mint users, you may have to do a lot of guessing or just not use things you'd rather be using. Plays nice with others. For these purposes, this distro just might as well be Ubuntu. There are no issues with multi-booting, and you can even use the dash dash no bootloader option in Ubiquity when you install. Stability. I have not experienced a single issue with stability. Granted, I don't usually put distros through heavy use, just web and word processing and spreadsheets, but it's as stable as Ubuntu, even with the weird desktop which did not crash once on me. Ratings. Ease of installation. New user-friendly installer scores 9 out of 10. Experienced Linux users 9 out of 10. Hardware issues 10 out of 10. Ease of finding help in the community and web, 6 out of 10. Ease of use, 9 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. Stability, 10 out of 10. Overall rating, 9 out of 10. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, it's always been fun to play with. I, I used quite a bit in, in the previous edition, which they just called Pearl Desktop 8. This one is Pearl OS 9, so they, they moved the number, but they decided it's an OS instead of a desktop. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a shame that the community isn't a little bit more uh, supportive. Well, with the plugins that they put into this that you that most of us would want to remove, a lot of us might not do too well with the community if we did encounter it. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. Similar distros to check out. Just about any Buntu or Mint. Elementary OS. Uh, obviously Neon. I didn't write that down. I don't know why. Oh, well. We'll get to that later. My final comments. If you absolutely hate math desktops, you'll hate Perl. If you love them, you still might notice a few rough spots you'd think they'd have taken care of by the ninth iteration of this distro. But it works, and it's beautiful. Change the wallpaper. And it's solid. So let's move on to Tony's distro. I'm too quick these days. Okay. Yeah, so my distro this month was Kubuntu 2004. And just to recap, my installation was done on my Dell E7440 laptop. The specs are the same as last month, so but I have put them in the show notes. I also did an installation on my main box, which is an old Intel Core i7-3770. It's, uh, it runs up to 3.4 gigahertz, and it's got four cores and eight threads. And I've got 24 gig of DDR3 RAM in that. And my ICDock 2.5-inch bay, 4-bay thing that I can hot-swap drives out of. So this is what I use for the install. So installation, it's a very easy process, as with all the Ubuntu family. You boot, uh, boot up the ISO on a bootable drive. I was using the Ventoid drive when I installed it to the tower, but when I did the original install, it was before I'd found Ventoid, so I just did it on a normal flash drive. Install process from start to finish, including updates, takes about 20 minutes. And this is despite telling it to run updates during the install. 
this still always updates on reboot. It's an issue on all the Ubuntu-based distros, including Mint. Despite telling it to download and install updates during the install, it does not seem to do this, and I'm not sure why. Either that or the the update path that they use during the install doesn't capture all the updates that are needed. Well, I think what they do is uh, literally just look for third-party things that are going on, like your drivers and whatnot. I don't think they look for full updates. Yeah, but it, it's very misleading then. It should say, do you want to update drivers and, and things as, I agree. Uh, as you install? But uh, I always assume it's going to up, up, uh, upgrade ev- everything that's uh, been uh, updated since uh, they created the ISO, but it doesn't. Anyway, so post-installation hardware facts and issues. All the hardware was recognized on both the Dell and the uh, Tower, and... I've been using it for the last five, the Dell for the last five weeks and had no hardware issues at all on the laptop. Well, when I say no hardware issues, I've had a little glitch with the Wi-Fi card after a suspend. Unless you man, uh, manually switch off the Wi-Fi from the hardware switch and turn it back on again when you re, re-enable the laptop after a suspend, it doesn't seem to recognise the uh, Wi-Fi. And uh, I was constantly rebooting the computer until I thought, hang on a minute, I've got an hardware switch here, I'll just switch that off on and off, and it worked (laughs) (laughs) so now when I I was uh, going into suspend, I just used to switch off the hardware switch and then re-enable it when I restarted the PC up. It seems that this is quite a long-standing issue, going back to at least 1604 looking at all the various forums and posts about it when I typed in Wi-Fi issues on uh, 2004, it just took me to a few posts that were related to 1604. So it goes back away. Ease of use. No issues here. Kubuntu is very intuitive. And I had no issues finding me a way around the OS and the desktop environment. I was in- able to install all my usual software and get everything working the way I like it. I like the fact that KDE has kept the traditional desktop layout of the taskbar and or dock, whatever you want to call it, at the bottom of the screen and the menu on the left-hand side of that. Uh, So I didn't have to uh, learn anything new about where to find everything or reset the taskbar uh, to the way I felt comfortable. So kudos for that. Application issues, nothing to report here. All my usual software was available, like I say, and just works out of the box. You have an option of installing some software as snaps if you want a different version to that available in the package manager. And you can also install flat packs by following the ex- some instructions on the internet. And I've put a link to a blog uh, where these instructions are available. That's the good so. thing about uh, various Debian-based distros for new users. You can always find what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And it runs. <laughs> yeah. The great thing for me about Snap is one of one of the programs I use, uh, and I've talked about it loads of times on this show and Mint, Mintcast, uh, is Get iPlayer. And you can go through all the hoops of adding the PPA and installing all that manually and then running at Get Update and uh, Update and then install and all that. But it's a bit of a faff. Snaps have got a package for it that's all ready to install. So it's dead easy to install it. So memory use. This is where a few people might be surprised, but on first boot after adding all my usual software, the Dell laptop was using about 650 mega RAM. 
and even after opening Firefox and several tabs, it's comfortably below 2 gig of RAM usage. And the Dell's got 16 gig of RAM, so uh, no issues there. Ease of finding help. It's Ubuntu, so there's a wealth of information out there and help available on the web and various forums. We should just record a package for all of these, yeah. This is Ubuntu-based, so you can find all the help you want. <laughs> well, there is one one thing that I did come across. I went onto the uh, to the Kubuntu, Kubuntu website, and they've got community pages. And in the community pages, there's a live chat option. So you can actually talk to someone on their own That's community cool. site. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, so that is re- reflected in my uh, scores later on. Plays nice with others. I don't think we need to say anything here. It's Ubuntu. They all play very nicely with others. I didn't actually test it out, but I've got no doubt that uh, there wouldn't be any, there would be any problems with you know there's not and with the, any u- problems with, with the it. ubiquity installer you can always use the no boot uh, I I just said it earlier in the show anyhow I know you did <laughs> <laughs> and and then you just go into the distro that is controlling your grub and just run grub customizer and you're good yeah yeah stability it's rock solid. All the five weeks that I was using it on the laptop, which gets a lot of general use. It's my uh, PC that I carry around the house and uh, boot into things as I need to during the day if I don't want to go on the desktop. I've not had any crashes or issues after update. I was teasing Rocco on Biddle at the weekend as he seems to be able to get KDE to crash at the drop of a hat. But to be honest, he uses his PC in a far more intensive applica- uh, intensive way with applications than I do. And if I had his setup, I may have had some of the issues. But on my hardware and the software setup I use, I've not had any issues. So ratings. Uh, I've given it a new user friendly install score of 9 out of 10 and experienced Linux users 10 out of 10 because I think most experienced Linux users have probably installed Ubuntu so many times they could do it blindfolded. Hardware issues 9 out of 10 and that was just about the glitch over the Wi-Fi. Ease of finding help 10 out of 10. Ease of use 10 out of 10. Plays nice with others 10 out of 10. And stability 10 out of 10. So I actually given it an overall rating of nine point five out of ten. Ooh, pushing that envelope, Tony. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so similar distros to check out. As we've already said, KDE uh, Neon, which Moss is going to talk about shortly. Netrunner, Debian KDE Spin, which I do believe they do. Sparky Linux and Q4 OS, which I reviewed. I think it was last month, wasn't it? So, final comments. If you're a fan of the Ubuntu ecosphere and love KDE experience, this is definitely a distro to check out. It just works. But then again, we say this about all the Ubuntu's when we review them, so no surprise there. Seriously, if you use software from the Qt libraries, then it makes sense to use a Qt-based system, and Ubuntu will meet all your needs in that respect. In fact, I've heard that Ubuntu Studio is making the move over to KDE Plasma from 2010 release for this very reason as much of the software that is used for creative tasks is qt based and are a primary choice for many doing serious photo video and audio work so yeah you might want after 2010 you might want to check out um if you're doing uh serious video and stuff like that you might want to check out ubuntu studio with kde and see how that goes 
So that's my review. Shall we go over to Mossy's second review for the month? I am greedy this month. I am, I am. You are. (laughs) Okay, for my next review, we're doing KDE Neon. We've talked around this distro again and again. This is the distro with the poor self-esteem. The latest LTS Ubuntu topped by the freshest KDE Plasma, done the way KDE devs would do it, not the Ubuntu community. Calling this not a distro is like not talking about the mouse in the room. While they've not yet started Ubuntu base from 20.04, they have recently updated to Plasma 5.19, so it is both ahead of and behind Kubuntu 20.04. My hardware, as usual, I ran this on System76 Kudu 3, 16 gigs RAM, 256 SSD, 6th generation i7 CPU and Intel graphics. Unlike Perl and the various Ubuntus, Neon is still on 18.04 and will not update to 20.04 until the next point release. Installation went smoothly. I booted to the live USB and used the terminal to run Ubiquity dash dash no dash bootloader and got everything installed as normal. Went back into Linux Mint to run Grub Customizer and got the boot fixed up the way I wanted it. There, I got it right that time. (laughs) (laughs) Post-installation hardware facts and issues. I did have one problem. The first time I installed this system, I attempted to add the studio tools. At about 92% done, in the middle of installing Jack.D, it locked up. When I rebooted, it wouldn't boot, so I had to do a complete reinstallation. After I finished that installation, I went to AverageLinuxUser.com and followed about half the advice on their articles, 10 Things to Do After Installing KDE Neon. There's a link in the show notes. Several of these items I knew to do anyhow, but the information about changing the menus was very helpful, although I did only about the first half of that section. I also, of course, installed SoftMaker Office instead of LibreOffice, but you all knew I'd do that by now. I did not install Studio Tools this time, but had no problems otherwise with installation. So I tweaked a few things. KDE Neon is a very bare-bones system, but everyone who knows Plasma knows it's there to be tweaked. You have to add the apps you want, you tweak the settings, and add your favorite office package, add a few tools you might like to use, such as Mint Stick. After you're all done, you still have a lighter system than usual, and oh, is it lovely. But I experienced another issue, one I hadn't seen before. For some reasons, whether I'm connected via Wi-Fi or Ethernet, I get a yellow exclamation point stating limited connectivity. I asked around a bit, and after determining it is using exactly the same kernel as Mint, so that is not the issue, I checked the KDE community forums and found others had the same problem, first reported in March of 2018, and at that time it said it should be fixed in the next update. Plasma 5.19 landed in Neon on 9th of June, brings mostly bug fixes and stability. I haven't seen a change in the connection issue yet. Sometimes it seems to actually be affecting my connectivity. Sometimes it's just a yellow exclamation point down there. Yeah, I I sometimes get a message when I'm on various websites that I've got poor internet connection, but it's not actually the computer, it's the website. Uh, even though I've got a wired connection, but uh, that's the first I've heard of actually getting it on the desktop environment. Yeah, well, it's all over in the KDE forums, but not everyone gets it. Uh, Mm. But they did say that there's a fix expected any second, but like I said, March 2018, they should have had that by now. Might be more complicated than they think. (laughs) Ease of use. 
This is as easy to use as any KDE desktop or any Ubuntu system. People question why they even did this as it seems to conflict with Kubuntu. Try it for a while, you know the answer to that. It's a breeze to use and they even have Discover doing pretty much everything it was supposed to do out of the box. For those of you who don't know about that, Discover is their updater and installer uh, all in one package and it's a big graphical thing that takes up most of your screen and in the past it's been known to break regularly. Or just stop working in the middle of an upload, uh, upgrade. Memory use. As installed, I'm using 11.6 gigs of disk space. I currently have Firefox open with six tabs, Stacer, and a text editor open, and I'm using 2.2 gigs of RAM. With everything closed, I have seen it drop below 500 megabytes. Plasma is light. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Ease of finding help. KDE is everywhere. Ubuntu is everywhere. You know how easy it is to find help. Check Ubuntu forums, ask Ubuntu Linux questions, and just about anywhere else, including Telegram and Discord groups. The people you contact are quite likely to be friendly and helpful, and you're not likely to need them. Plays nice with others. This is getting to be a boring section for me. If it doesn't play nicely, I don't bother to install it. Suffice it to say that having the option in Ubiquity installer to not even bother loading Grub makes it stupidly easy to get running in a multi-boot system. Moss, you're getting lazy. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I, I, I told you six months ago that we were going to run into a problem of not being able to find anything new to talk about. <laughs> oh, wait until next month. Yeah, next month we're going to get bombarded. Okay, stability, no issues. There, is that lazy? <laughs> <laughs> Similar distros to check out. Kubuntu is the obvious first choice. Farron OS, OpenMandriva LX 4.1, Manjaro KDE, and anything else running KDE, especially rolling releases for comparison to the latest Plasma like you will get in this distro. Ratings. New user, 9 out of 10. Experienced user, 10 out of 10. Hardware issues, 7 out of 10. Ease of finding help, 10 out of 10. Ease of use, 10 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. Stability, I think I should fix that one too, shouldn't I? Well, with that uh, connectivity issue, let's let's worry about that. Uh, some people do complain when they're doing video editing using KDN Live that KDN Live is still crashing quite a bit. And they tend to consider that part of their KDE experience, but it's just that app. I think that might be Rocco's problem because he does a lot of video editing. So my overall rating this time is 8 out of 10, mostly from that connectivity thing and from uh, hanging up in the middle of in installing the, Ub the Ubuntu Studio tools. So it's really a 9 out of 10 distro, just like most of these. And it's always fun and it's always beautiful. So my final comments, the connectivity glitch is really hurting me this time. I've been quite happy with Neon in the past, but this had me booting to other distros repeatedly. This will be a great distro as soon as they fix that. In the meantime, try Kubuntu or Farron OS. New releases this month from May 11th to June 17th. Absolute 2020.06.14, FreeBSD 11.4, CentOS 8.2.2004, Emubuntu's DE3-1.02, Star 3.0.0, 4M Linux 33.0, Arco Linux 20.6.5, KDE Neon 2020.06.12, Endless 3.8.3, PFSense 2.4.5-P1, 
Haiku R1-Beta 2. I only list the betas in Haiku because it's all beta. Volumio 2.778. Austrumi 4.2.4. System Rescue CD 6.1.5. OSMC 2020.06-1. NST 32-11992. Runtu 20.04 Lite. Archman 2020-06i3wm Sparky Linux 2020.06 IPFire 2.25-core145 LibreLec 9.2.3 Devuan GNU Plus Linux 3.0.0 Greeny Linux 20.04 MX Linux 19.2 EasyOS 2.3 Linux Lite 5.0 Alpine 3.12.0 Black Arch 2020.06.01, Container 2512.3.0, Kodachi 7.0, Redcore 2004, Gobo Linux 017, Nutix 11.5, OpenBSD 6.7, Blue Star 5.6.13, Android x86 7.1 R4, Backbox 7. Zevenet 5.11, Phoenix 120, Kali 2020.2, Q4OS 3.11, Proxmox 6.2 Virtual Environment. There's been some busy people out there this month. Yeah, a number of distros actually released two or three times this month. I had to delete the duplicates. I don't always catch those duplicates, as you've heard me in past episodes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's move on to feedback. We have consistently gotten more than 300 downloads to all our episodes, but we haven't had one go over 400 since episode 9. Please talk us up among your friends and online groups. Dale Miracle in the Telegram group said, How about having an episode talking about everything you've learned from distro hopping for new people that want to get into it, give them the ins and outs and things to avoid? I thought we would mention it's on this episode, and if we can think of something, we could uh, apply it next episode. Or if you guys get any comments, what do you think, Tony? Yeah, it might be something worth having a discussion about. We could throw a few ideas around uh, during the next month and see what we can come up with. With the two of us, that'd take two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall I take the next one? Take it. So we had a couple of comments from a guy called Mike on uh, the last episode. Um, They were both posted on the same day, but I'll come to that. One distro that will help those of of you with frequent booting issues is Supergrub 2. I have a USB stick dedicated to this extremely useful utility. Usage is simple. Boot it up. Then select the distro kernel that you want to boot from. After booting, run grub-install and grub-make-config or mk-config to restore a working grub. Definitely worth a quick review on DHD. TIA Mike. Yeah. And then he said... I've used, says, I've used Super Grub a few times before yeah. I knew the grub install. I, I was using it to boot into something and then had to figure out how to how to get grub installed again and i I think it's been what three months since i did my mintcast thing maybe less than that since i did uh how to play with boot it's always useful to re-go it's a very good tool these things again so yeah it is a good tool 
till Mike again says, Sorry for the duplicate post. I just started listening to episode 12 and heard my hint being mentioned. Thanks. As mentioned above, SGD2 allows you to boot the install kernel of your choice for sub- subsequent repair actions. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Mike, for your feedback and uh, glad to have you as a listener. And then... We had one more piece of feedback, and that was from Gordon uh, on the 21st of May. I use the stable version of Q4OS as my laptop distribution on my home and work laptops, as well as the netbook I use for e-reading. I've had a really good experience with the distribution. I like the Trinity desktop environment and the preset styles from which, uh, which to choose. Though I found the distribution quite stable, I have posted on the Q4 OS forums when I've had any issues. Uh, The folks there have been very prompt and helpful. I'm glad that Tony had a good uh, experience with the Plasma version. And thanks again, Gordon. Thanks for the uh, feedback. Yeah, really. I I had a good experience with the Plasma version. I got it for the Trinity version, and it just bothered me that so many of the current KDE tools don't run in Trinity, which is based on Plasma 3.5. Which is why Tony and I use the plasma, because everything works in plasma. Correct. (laughs) Okay, announcements. My work here and at Mintcast can be supported by joining my sponsors or by direct donation through sponsors or PayPal. I have one recurring sponsor. Many thanks to SK Beans for joining up. I'm very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. We would like to thank the Mintcast crew for our use of their mumble room. Our next show will be recorded on or about July 15th, 2020. Visit our website at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Telegram, and the Mintcast Discord groups. You can contact either Tony or me at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Before we go, we would also like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with the Mintcast podcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server, archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program, Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show, Joshua Lowe for work on our logo, all those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stallman for the GNU toolkit, and for all those who've worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next episode. Thank all of you for listening. (laughs) 